Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. out there in uh, podcast land that is me having construction done above the studio and i'm recording at the same time this is brilliant so i'm going to take a moment and welcome uh, parish collins to the studio um, civil rights attorney based in albuquerque new mexico focused on prison and jail medical negligence um, you've uncovered a lot of recent medical atrocities and medical atrocities over time that most of us aren't aware of. I want to give you a chance to talk about that today, but first, uh, thank you for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. This is, this is cool. Yeah, it, it's an interesting experience if it's your uh, first time dealing with podcasts. Definitely a different feel to the conversation. We're not somebody that uh, gives a list of questions. I'm sure you noticed that when we were talking to uh, your public relations people. We don't send out a list of that because we feel like it's not an unscripted approach to these types of scenarios gives real answers and real insight. So why don't you tell us um, where you're at, what you do, and uh, how you came into this line of business? Well, I'm glad you didn't send me those beforehand because I wouldn't have looked at it. So I'm glad this is unscripted. But uh, I've been a lawyer for a while. I graduated law school in 89 and went into corporate law and uh then I left and swore I'd never be a lawyer again. That actually happened a number of times. And uh, yeah, I went at one point, I went to a nightclub in Dallas and, you know, various things, just trying to get out of the law. And then, uh, you know, 2017, you know, Jeff Sessions was appointed, you know, the U.S. attorney. And, uh, you know, and I'd done quite a bit of medical malpractice work. And I thought, you know, if, I should probably do some a little bit of civil rights work, you know, because he's going to be pretty tough on civil rights. And so it's kind of like thinking you'll do more to these cases. And, and then I went to a CLE, a continuing legal education on solitary confinement. And it was horrifying. And I thought, man, this is medical negligence. And uh, it's funny because, yeah, you know, I raised that and everyone in the room was looking at me like I was crazy. But, uh, you know, that's kind of what I saw as the primary you know, cause of action was going after these contractors. And and so we started taking some cases. I got one call from a inmate that described a pressure ulcer that, you know, I, I thought this guy has to be lying. There is no way this could be happening. And I went out there, you know, to see him and I had to fight like crazy. I'll try to stay away from expletives as much as I can. Oh, no, 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 but no. It's, to... it's perfectly all right. Again, it's the Tragedy Academy. It's baked into the name. And if I had to censor myself, I wouldn't do this. I didn't leave the corporate world so I could walk around on eggshells and pretend to be somebody that I'm not. So let's just put it all out there. But I do want to pause on something real quick because I love that you pointed out that everybody looked at you um, a little bit differently when you brought up basically compassion for the caged. It's something where we have this 
filter that we'll put on ourselves that says, if you have crossed the societal threshold for needing to be in detainment of some sort, your rights are violated to any degree and any kind of complaint is like a, it rings some kind of bell of we're going to let them, or we're going to give them something they don't deserve. If that makes sense. Well, that does make sense. I think that's, you know, a large part of the population, but this particular group was sympathetic to prisoners. They were just, you know, a lot of them were kind of looking into, I think, getting into taking some cases. And when you think about prison, you think about, you know, the dangers of prison, you know, the, I, I could ask you or I can just say, but what do you, when you think about prison, what do you consider like the dangers to be? It's funny. We had a conversation the other day and like what you would think China or Japan would be like, because I've lived over there coming from America. And the description that we were using was Dr. Seuss versus Hemingway, obviously. But in this particular case, it still rings the same bell. It's what we're taught through media and outside perspectives to believe are the threats inside of jail, which would be if I were going from my childhood age to now, it's getting shanked, getting uh, sexually violated or getting beat down out in a field or something along that nature. But again, I know this not to be true. It can't be that. It has to be the day-to-day living circumstances. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. And I'll tell you, and that's what I thought going in. You know, I thought, you know, there's going to be, I thought we'd be getting a lot of calls, you know, for just what you said. And then, and then, you know, guards beating up prisoners and things like that. But, you know, that's like 1% of more calls or less, you know, where people are complaining about the guards or are getting shanked or the sec, you know, the sexual uh, assault, you know, those sorts of things. But uh, I can tell you with, you know, I guess I can't say 100%, but virtually 100% confidence. The most dangerous thing about prison is the medical care and the food. And uh, that's, you know, you're more likely to end up in the hospital, die or permanently harm from me- the lack of proper medical care or the food. If you don't have diabetes going into prison, if you're there for any significant amount of time, you're, you're probably going to have it coming out because they feed you garbage. It's all carbs. And even the diabetics are here are getting almost all the carbs. You know, and even the guards will say, if you ask them, you know, what's the difference between a diabetic tray and a regular tray, they'll say the color of the tray. And uh, anyway, so that's the sort of thing. But getting back to that cholesterol thing, I went out there and they had already been to the hospital and I went out. So, you know, it's a little bit pink, but you know, it was about the size of a, of a grapefruit or bigger. And uh, so I, I, got my camera in which i had to fight to get in and i took pictures and yeah and when they opened it up i was just like oh my god you know i hadn't seen anything like that and you know like a living person and uh so as i'm leaving this doctor that worked there comes up and hands me a picture and says this is what it looked like before the hospital and it was necrotic he said that the doctor at the hospital said he could put his fist all the way down to his spine. And uh and anyway, and that Jesus. I was just like, all How right. How do we do that know, to a human? I, yeah, I met and uh and that's when I got hooked. And then you know, and then the other thing you kind of think about prisoners or inmates or you know, uh the incarcerated, you know, the yeah, you know, whatever. 
whatever term you want to use. Um, you can't just go in and I had the same ideal. It's just like, this guy's got to be lying. And, and I thought in the beginning, you know, I was going to be, you know, having people lie to me. Like there's a joke among lawyers, is, you know, how do you know where your client's lying? Their lips are moving. And uh, but that's not the case with inmates. It's insane because they tell these stories and then we go get the records. And if anything, it's worse than what they reported because they don't know the medical side of it. So they, they don't really know how to explain how horrific it is, what, you know, what the, that they're going through. And we've had, you know, our, you know, deceased, you know, leave the prison in commas, you know, because there's, you know, that's economically incentivized not to provide proper care. And, uh, for instance, if, uh, and this is written into the contract in New Mexico, I assume it's the same everywhere else. If an inmate has to go out for outpatient medical care, like diagnostics, testing, you know, uh, you know, any kind of outpatient kind of, uh, therapy, treatment, diagnostics, the corporate contractor pays 100% of that. However, if that same patient gets admitted and stays for 24 hours, Medicaid picks up the whole bill. So it's an insane incentive. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, our, our clients alone have been in the, you know, hospital for years, you know, collectively. And, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's appalling. And, and these companies, you know, from here, they're out of state corporations, you know, and uh, they're out of state corporations in every state except the company they're, the state they're incorporated in. But they come in and they make massive amounts of money for it here. You know, it'll be, um, this, contractor now i believe it's you know up to 70 million a year and then you know and then i think they have a bunch of add-ons yeah we're still trying to decipher the current contractor but yeah like missouri hired the contractor that we have sued the most here who's subsequently left the state is that core civic or formerly corrections corporation of america that's one of them or geo group centurion Core Civic and GEO are operations. You know, they're security. You know, the, the medical provide and, so, and we actually have a case where Core Civic actually did provide the medical care in a facility and it was running through their medical, you know, company. But the medical contractors, the ones that we've dealt with the most are Corizon. Uh, well, we're just starting to deal with them. They're in the county jail here. They were run, run out of the Department of Corrections and 2016 then centurion come in came in you know and they and you know they have an appalling record around the country you know they left early we've we've sued them i think 30 times here and then uh so then they bring in wexford to the department of corrections who was run out of lose your ability to do what you're doing if it's resort uh, resulted in 30 lawsuits like we'll allow something to repetitively happen and pretty soon what happens is it becomes a cost benefit analysis to the person that's dealing with it maybe it's cheaper to just get fucking pegged for it than it is to deal with it if that's a fine i get 30 fines but if i fucking go the other way then i can just continue to screw everything because it's only the cost of 30 fines right yeah and that's yeah i think they've definitely done the cost benefit stuff and you know we we've 
Uh, you know, it's strange. You know, this was never my expectation. You know, I thought I'd fall a couple of suits, but we've fallen at 60 now total. And uh, I think we, in terms of medical stuff, I know for a fact that that's more than all the other law firms, uh, you know, like civil rights organizations, nonprofits have fallen combined. And, uh, and we could have followed another 200. We just don't have the resources. And so, but getting back to the corporate incentive, this is crazy. And you can stop me whenever you want. But Corizon comes in after having been run out in 2016. Wexford comes in after having been run out in 2007. Centurion's got Corizon's at the local jail. And uh, they've had, I think the local press has reported, uh, 10 plus deaths since they've been here in you know a year and a half or so and then uh so we we filed our first lawsuit we got a notice of bankruptcy from a <laughs> billion dollar corporation <laughs> you know owned by a hedge fund and they're fine what they've done it's called the texas two-step i guess it's a thing which i'm learning about now and they you know they start a new company yes care which is almost like they're saying it sarcastically like Yes, we actually do provide care, but uh, it's uh, and uh, and then they and then they they're bankrupting all these companies with the local contracts. And, and, I, I think we're uh, in so a world the of that. County here is, I think it's a show game gonna, now with a lot of corporations yeah. in this regard. Oh yeah, because you can't even go online for something normal and do some reviews or look for something to see if it's you know legit. Without finding out that it's, you know, Corporation A, B, C, D, E, that's, you know, been to the Better Business Bureau and been slammed five times before that. They just keep <laughs> reopening the company, hanging a new sign outside. So I can't see why this would be any different in that world um, than it would be anywhere else. It's a way to get away without getting punished. Exactly. And uh, one of the, I think it was ProPublica or, you know, something like that. You know, which shows a lot of good work on prison, you know, my prison issues. But I think it was, well, anyway, I want to sign it without knowing exactly. But uh, apparently, Corizon has thousands of lawsuits ongoing around the country. And mo and I think most of those are medical related, not, you know, not like breach of contract or whatever. I think most of it's related to the medical care that they're not providing. So what's going to happen, first of all, like I said, Medicaid gets hung with a lot of the cost if these guys go to the hospital. So they're already, they're, they get these massive contracts. You know, Centurion in Missouri was $1.3 And uh, so they get these massive contracts. You know, they, they stick Medicaid with the hospitalizations. And now in case of Corizon, they're going to stick the county with their liability. So the taxpayers are paying three times. You know, they're going to pay for the contract which is crazy expensive, and it keeps going up despite the fact that the prison population is going down and the medical care, you know, the quality of medical care is going down. The number of lawsuits is going up. The number of inmate deaths and illness is going up, and the contracts keep going up. And uh, so Medicaid gets stuck with all that, and then so that's the taxpayers. And now this, this bankruptcy, you know, there are going to be counties and states all over the country that are going to going to get hung with, you know, Corizon's, uh, you know, liability on these, on these cases. If, you know, and I don't know all the states they're in, but according to that article, and you, I can look it up if you want the site, but 
Yes, yeah, you can share it with us afterwards. I'll put it in the show notes, so if anybody wants okay. to take a look at it, they can um, they can reference it. It's um, it's interesting when you bring up the the amount of corporations, the different ways that they're violating the taxpayers, you know, in different ways. One of the interesting things that I came to find out was um, I know someone that was put into the prison system recently or the jail system, and immediately there began text requests for money and it was super bizarre to me how the system unfolded from that moment forward when i got a look into what it would be like for mom with their son in jail for whatever reason probably wrongfully grabbed you know because we know that's a lot of the situation sitting in there Mom, I'm hungry. That was the first thing I saw. You have to buy foods or you can buy foods for the inmate, right? And then it was like buying them toiletries, buying them medication. And I sat there and wondered, I'm like, why am I buying this person Motrin and aspirin for the pain that they're in, right? Why is this not being given to the facility that's holding them? Because if they're there against their will, they should at least get medical attention while they're, fuck, we have a Geneva Convention for a reason. Why can't we do it for the people that we've got in our own fucking country, right? But then it kept unfolding. Like, you could rent movies. You could put money in a canteen so they could buy their own shit. It was, you could pick out their items like a grocery list. Like, I was shopping at Walmart online to have it delivered. It was the most insane thing I ever seen. And what better way to leverage money from most of the time, the people that have the least amount, right? To prey on their love for the person that's incarcerated to give them small items of support. Little things that will give them the world costs a person on the outside probably a week's worth of groceries because it wasn't cheap. It was ridiculous. So I'm sorry, I had to point that out there because it fucking fractured my head when I saw into this whole commissary and what you could buy and buying shirts and socks because they won't give them socks. You only get this and things like that. And it's like, dude, I was in the army and they gave me more shit than this, right? They have something called non-deployable status for like category four for your teeth when I was in the military, right? And it's probably something different now. But if you were a cat four, you could not deploy. That meant they looked in your mouth in advance and said, you might have a fuck up. We're going to pull that before it happens. I'm betting dollars to donuts that inside the penal system, more fucking suicides and other crazy shit happens at the hands of just the teeth alone. Because it's not like they had dental care before they got there. Well, let's put it this way. If you're getting medical care, dental care, prison, you know, it's medical malpractice you know i haven't had any dental cases or i haven't taken any and sadly you know most of the cases we've taken are, have been either suicide cases you know severely mentally ill people like you mentioned and us or infections that could have been easily treated with antibiotics that gone into our clients spines and brains and hearts and uh and you know they either permanently harm you know meaning they can't ever work again they generally do, you know, most of our clients were manual laborers. You can't do manual labor with a damaged spine or a damaged heart. So uh, because we were getting so many calls, we had to say, well, there has to be at least a two-week hospitalization. Sorry, but, you know, we have to 
and we have to call these down. Man, what a way to set a benchmark. Isn't that awful? That's kind of like triaging people in a medical situation where it's like life, limb, or eyesight. But the rest of you can lay in a pile and we'll get to you if we can after we get rid of these people first. That's so sad. Oh, it gets even sadder because recently we've had to start screening and we're only taking death cases now. So imagine having that call with an inmate who you know is really, really sick. Or the, or the family, the wife, the parents, a lot of times it's parents or grandparents and saying, I'm sorry, you know, we should, we have two lawyers here working on this and a bunch of young stuff and, uh, and, and, but saying, you know, we can't take your case, you know, we're, you know, and that, you know, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, you know, I don't, you know, the, a lot of times the staff goes home crying, you know, I, you know, get teary eyed every time I have one of these calls and, uh. And uh, it's awful. Yeah, I really, what I really want to do is set up a nonprofit that can file a lot of these cases that we can't, you know, using law students and, and lawyers hired by the nonprofit. The empathetic generation. I'm with you on this. Yeah. I think that we do need to capitalize on that and take the generation of up and coming attorneys and people with a drive for, you know, some kind of civic duty to help others. I think that we should capitalize on that. I think that that generation, and I analogy for them a lot, is Cyclops from X-Men with their empathy. They don't yeah. have guidance from people like us, so their empathy just runs rampant. We need to be their empathy, you know, sunglasses and put those on and get them to be able to help things where they can really make a difference. And a lot of people don't think about the incarcerated first. They think about you know, other areas, but at the same time, the incarcerated is the same as every other situation out there. They're just relocating the chess piece. That's all yeah. it is. They're still just as indigent, fucked over and everything in between. They're just indigent and fucked over in a box. Yeah. It's just a way of hiding the poor and the mentally ill, you know, put all ways to, you know, seal and, uh, mm. and our the undesirables. Young yeah, our young staff is amazing. There was this empathy generation you're talking about. And, uh, you know, one of the things I really like to be able to do, but when I have the resources to do this, say someone calls and says, my, you know, son or daughter's not getting medical care and they have diabetes, you know, they're feeding them this bullshit food that is going to kill them if nothing else does. And, uh, we can't really do anything with that for a number of reasons, but what, we could do if we had the resources as follow temporary restraining or asking the court to order them to provide medical care. But you don't get attorney's fees on that. You don't get cost. So that is a sure route to bankruptcy for a, a firm. And that's the kind of stuff I'd like nonprofit to do. And uh, you know, take these cases so it's almost preventive. You know, get the court order saying you provide this guy with proper care, we're gonna monitor it. And if you don't, you're gonna be held in contempt. And then, you know, so on, so on. And, uh, but, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have, uh, you know, boots on the ground. Well, that's what this show is for. It's uh, to take on topics like this and to try to find, you know, like-minded people that want to help others, um, especially those that aren't given a chance or a voice. Um, I feel like there's a lot of situations where we're not 
able to look into the eyes of those that are less fortunate than us based on their own reality. Because the moment that we look at them, we have to admit that we're just as capable as they are had we been in the same situation. I feel like as a society or a being, we like to take people that have made infractions and move them out of our sight because by doing that, we don't have to feel compassion for them. I think that that is happening in this scenario that we're not, you know, donating any money, time or efforts into the penal system and getting people taken care of or fuck never put there. I, I, that's a whole nother situation. Uh, we could talk about nonviolent and fucking mental health issues that are stored in a box like that to create some kind of secondary offender after the fact, because, you know, their mental health was violated in there. That's actually a good place to stop. What about mental health? Do you guys ever get involved in, because we, we know for a fact that there are severely disabled people in there with mental illnesses. I don't give a fuck who tells me different, right? Are those people on the list of the medical malpractice or scenarios that you can help them with, or does this fall in the not-for-profit bucket? No, absolutely. We have, you know, sadly, we have, quite a few suicide cases of severely mentally ill. We just filed one where uh, this young woman, and this, yeah, I get teary, I just start when I say that, but uh, you know, she's severely mentally ill. She gets arrested. She's in a county jail. She tries to commit suicide three times the first week and she's there. So they send her to the Department of Corrections for safekeeping because you know, supposedly the Department of Corrections has mental health services. Suicide watch. Yeah, basically, and uh, and mental health therapy. Did you get any of that? You know, she was there two weeks. She killed herself, and they lost it half. And so we have that one that we just filed off. You know, and and uh, we have you know we've had quite a few others. We have you know one more going that's just uh you know it's just it, it makes me sad. You know, to talk about the personal side of it, you know, of these people. But then the other side is the mentally ill. They were getting arrested for drug offenses. And uh, one of the cases, the case that I just filed against Corizon, that, uh, you know, they filed bank notice, you know, filed notice of bankruptcy, basically shut down the litigation until that's taken care of. It's, uh, it's fucking horrifying what they did to her. You know, they, they, uh, you know, the, you know, we have, uh, this is one of the few times where we've had witnesses like inmates. They're just coming out of the woodwork, and uh, because they all watched it happen, yeah, and they're there for like you know shoplifting and stuff, and they had to watch this woman die, and uh, you know, one of them was a cancer patient, and uh, her husband kept filing false, you know, charges against her, and but she's a highly decorated combat medic that was in Fallujah, and the crazy thing is. The lady next to her and next to my client was also a combat medic, highly decorated in Fallujah. And they knew what was happening. They knew what to do. They knew she was dying. They kept, you know, they're shouting to the guards, you know, call medical, call medical. Medical comes down and according to the witnesses, calls her a faker, tells her no one dies from detox. And, you know, and according to these witnesses, uh, you know, both the, 
the guards and the medical people refer to them as hoes and bitches, you know, when they go around. So according to these witnesses who I believe say, uh, ho check, you know, shouting out, ho check. And that's how they train them. And anyway, April, it's, you know, the, yeah, it's all in the complaint. It's, it's, you know, I can tell you some of the details, but it's fucking horrifying. And, you know, and Corizon fault bankruptcy. And, uh, you know, the county, the county's got a big problem on their hands. As does Corizon. I think their bankruptcy will probably get kicked out. But if, if it does, they, you know, it, it's pretty awful for them. And, and for our, our client who's only four years old, had three children. You know, one's still in high school. You know, I went to her funeral with the, the combat medic who was a cancer survivor. Or actually, she has stage four cancer, so she's not a survivor yet. Hopefully, she eventually gets there. But uh, we went to the funeral together with another witness who actually got out. She was a young woman who actually knew my kids and my nieces. And uh, she went in and she shouldn't have really been there and she gets out the next day but she sees this happen and she still cries every time I talk to her and it's been about six months and she's one of our witnesses but she was so disturbed and uh, smart enough to say I'm not gonna let this get buried because she was you know new enough to know that they were gonna say tell the family oh she died of a drug overdose or some horse shit you mean the thing that he said earlier that you couldn't die from withdrawals? Right, because, right. Or they have to admit that they were letting her have more drugs in there, one or the other. So his his initial response is just as ridiculous as their claim afterwards. Right. And yeah, and that's what they would tell the Yeah, that's what they tell the families, you know, oh, he died, you know, he had a bad drug he or she had a bad drug issue, you know. We tried to do this, we tried to do that, but, you know, we just couldn't help. Sorry, you know, we did everything we can. And, uh, you know, most families, you know, they're not, most prison families are, a lot of them are generational. And, uh, you know, and, you know a lot of, you know, it's the poor and the, the coming from neighborhoods where the schools aren't great. And so they don't know, you know, the parent, it might be the grandma who's 70 and still with it and gets that call and thinks, oh, well, Oh, uh, well, we knew Jolly had a problem and, you know, and, and they just take It was going to happen eventually. Yeah. yeah or, the, or that, you know, they did everything they can. Why would they lie? And I can tell you, it's one of those, it's like that thing I said earlier. If a prisoner jail person is talking, you know, an administrator, not the guards, I actually like the guards. And for the most part, they're all pretty good guys and for women and just normal people, you know, just like the inmates, they're just normal people that, you know, unfortunately weren't white for the most part. It's funny you say that. Um, I heard a, a person explain something to me that I overlooked with regard to the African-American population and how quickly they became inducted into the penal system. And it was pointed out that immediately upon... The, end, the ending or abolishment of slavery, there began a sl just a slew of new violations that people could be placed in jail for, i.e. loitering or being out on the corners. You know, all the people you just set free with no homes. Um, and what's the one place that you can legally work for no money? 
the prison yeah, system. The prisoner you get your leasing, back. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's basically the continuation of slavery and the prisoner leasing. And uh, they still have that. They still have prison labor. You know, they get paid 20 cents an hour or something and say, you know, if they're, I guess they get to the executive level, they get paid like 60 cents an hour. So, you know, that's the CEO problem. And I'll, I but, saw uh, the price of honey buns. It is not, <laughs> it is not happening for any of those guys. They're saving up with a lot of labor just to get <laughs> that, one snack from the commissary. Yeah, that's, that's a month fucked, of, man. That's a month of, <laughs> of labor for a honey bun. So, or a phone call. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so. Oh, a phone call to your wife. Yeah. Because they're like 18 bucks a minute or some ridiculous shit. Yeah. For they the have like gels. this community iPad, which yeah. by the way, prison is not the place that I want somebody passing me the iPad from the next cell to get my turn on. Uh, I I was in the army. I don't want that thing. <laughs> you keep it. I'll just yeah. sit here and wait till we get out. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't I have know a lot of much, dark humor. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much of that makes its way up to the iPad, but I will tell you this. It's funny you mentioned all these things you can buy in the commissary and you could sense up from Walmart or whatever. But here in the New Mexico prison system, you can't even send an inmate a book. So, what? Yeah, you, know, you can get an iPad, I guess. I don't know what's on those iPads. You know, I, I should ask them what they're watching on there, but. I, it's never been really relevant, but now that you bring it up, I'm going to have to start asking. But uh, yeah, you can't. Send, I can't. I used to be able to send books, you know, because you know I send you know some you know positive books like you know tra- inspirations, you know, kind of Buddhist or you know whatever. Give somebody the ability to better themselves while yeah. they're stuck in place. Right. Sounds like a noble thing to do. Yeah, and uh, and that's it. There is nothing rehabilitative about prison systems generally and certainly not here there is there are no services right now and there haven't been for a while so you're not really getting educated you're not getting job training there's next to zero mental health services and pretty much everyone in there has some kind of mental health issue and uh you know or learning disabilities or you know things like that childhood ptsd oh yeah but i'd venture to say 90 percent of the people probably 98.9 have some kind of childhood trauma that led them probably to utilizing drugs or alcohol or whatever put them into the system to begin with we need to stop treating people with drugs, alcohol, and things like that as violent offenders because it's actually a cry for help. Suddenly, if you hand them Zoloft to get them to stop acting that way, that's okay. But if they had no access to that and they went to the straight other thing, why are we putting them in prison for that? Other countries have already said, look, that's a mental health thing. We'll stick them over here to the side. We'll help them get through whatever trauma caused them to have to do these things. And then we'll go from there. It's just like you're saying, there's no fucking, it's a snake eating its goddamn tail. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you're right, man. It's, it's awful. And, you know, that, yeah, I'm really glad. Yeah, I didn't really know much about what you were doing or what your, your, uh, mission was, but I'm really glad that your mission is to get people activated. Cause, you know, like Dostoevsky said, you know, you, if you want to learn about, I forget, he said, obviously, better than why I say it, but he said, basically, if you want to learn about society, look at prisons. And our prison system has much to say about our society and how the, the you know, the 
weakest among us have treated the poor, the uneducated, the mentally ill, the people with learning disabilities, physical disabilities. You know, those are the people that are going to prison. And when you look at all the stats, it's hard to even keep track because the stats are so bad regarding all those categories I just said. But if you combine those it's for like the average guy in prison or woman, you're just think, oh my God, you know, these guys were headed to prison coming out of the womb, you know, because um, there's so many things stacked against them that would be absolutely heroic for them to stay out of prison. Yeah. How are you born into the South Side with gangs and everybody fighting to get everything they can and not become one of them. I love that we will cherish and put the people that make it out of these situations as something everybody can do. And nobody will admit when they've made it to a stable location after getting out of there, God only knows why, is that they were lucky as fuck or white. Sorry. Yeah. generally how it happens i grew up in a shitty 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 situation and for all intents and purposes i should be one of the people in prison based on where i came from and the way i grew up but i'm not i was able to get a college degree i was able to get into the corporate world i was able to do all sorts of things because all i had to do was put on a fucking blazer exactly. that was it that was uh, my entrance exam i could even lie about being in college I've already got 75% of the assumption because I got a fucking haircut and a coat. That's yeah. also why we can hide alcoholism in corporate worlds, but that's another thing. Yeah, apparently you became a, you know, a congressman learn if you're white, you know, lying about your college education. <laughs> so, you know, but that you know, is a not... recent thing. I, <laughs> man, you, you, uh, uh, so we talk about all sorts of shit and I got to I got a tangent for just a second because it bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> and that's the new situation with cameras. And you're obviously in the legal field. You might have something that you can say about this. Um, there is a phenomenon now. It's kind of generational. It sits somewhere in the uh, X to boomer, somewhere in that that chunk of people that believe they're not allowed to be recorded of what they're doing out on the streets in their day-to-day -day activities. And that bugs the shit out of me. Because the only reason you would be so adamant as to not wanting to be recorded is that you have to have the ability to challenge my natural hard drive and its capability to regurgitate what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> you don't need me. You're, you're literally making a play on my memory and the people that aren't there. That's all you're doing. You're admitting out loud that I need to be able to manipulate what happened after the fact. So please don't put that on me, even though you can see me with your own fucking eyes acting this way. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> I think yeah, it's helping I, us I as well. We, I think we could talk for about 18 hours straight. Because uh, <laughs> everything you say, I think, God, I should talk about this and this and this. But it is funny, like all the reporting, you know, I, you know, I'd been kind of in tune with all that for a long time. And, uh, you know, and it's funny, like, you know, my white middle-class people, you tell them, you know, you got to be careful, you know, what you're putting in texts and emails and talking about on the phone because it's all being recorded. And they say, well, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. And that's, that's great if you're white middle-class business person or whatever. But even that, you know, 
if they decide to come after you, they got all your shit. You know, so it's not that they're gonna it's not that they're targeting you right now, but if they ever decide to target you, they got all your stuff. And and you're but fucked. Better so, act accordingly. Right. So that, you know, I'm it's a really real call careful. for authenticity. <laughs> yeah, I told my kids early on, like, you know, when they started getting into texting and all that, I said, you know, just assume everything you put in that text or an email is going to be read by a judge at some point. And uh, I, I love people that protect their social security number uh, and go ape shit about it. Like uh, it's something that isn't <laughs> discoverable in about 10 minutes online <laughs> and everywhere in between. Like, bro, the, your thumbs are a better fucking indicator of who you are than that damn set of digits. At least right. it's got a print on it that's unique to you. The other, you could just toss. It's numbers, dude. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, when's the last <laughs> That's time what insurance you... is for. Yeah, when's the last time you stole your social security card? I mean, you memorize it just so you can get your grades in college. <laughs> it's, and, uh, it's next to my checkbook. <laughs> right, and then other than that, I don't think I've seen it since college. Yeah, and because uh, I, you know, once you memorize it, you know, yeah, I'll probably start looking at it as I get older and start forgetting my social security number, but <laughs> I'm not Isn't there yet. Isn't it funny, though, that, that we will grade a human's decline based on their ability to remember shit that has zero <laughs> impact on their existence? Like, that's bullshit. I think that we're just going back to being simple again, and all the shit that we learned between childhood and adulthood needs to be fucking just dropped off at the corner so we can hang out and watch some fucking people's court until we die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know what my social is at 80. Uh, no. I, I want to know where the snacks are, and I want to know the shortest trip to my bed. That's uh, what I want to know. Snacks, a sandwich, and a clean diaper is all I need. Right? But we're not even giving that to our inmates. No. Yeah. We're not yeah, taking no, care the... of people that are one decision away from being incarcerated just like us. We're all walking around out there walking a fine line, and there's always that falling down moment. I'm sure everybody remembers that movie when Michael Douglas loses his shit, and then he just goes berserk and starts oh, fucking yeah. it all up. Uh, what's we're I only... called, man? I'll... Uh, what's that called? I, no, that was a good movie. Down, it, oh, yeah. It was, it was ridiculous, but it's so true. We look around at the meltdowns that are happening in society right now. We can point out that if the meltdowns were of different ethnicities, Karen wouldn't be just yelled at and shamed on TikTok, but you know, somebody of a different race would be snatched up and thrown in jail for disturbing the peace and everything in between. But what we don't realize is both of them are having a fucking mental breakdown like a child because they've been stuffing too much shit in their brain. We've got to have compassion for people behind bars because, man, if you're not one decision away from fucking it up or just accidentally doing something and having somebody else perceive it as a fuck up that you decided to do. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. People don't think about that. Like what's going on in the local jails? Yeah, that's misdemeanors for the most part. There's some, you know, quite a few people there. They're awaiting trial of felonies, but you know, jails for misdemeanors or pretrial detainees. So you get housewives, you know, your kids go to jail for a DWI and have to watch a woman die slowly over 24 hours, and knowing what that she needs help and she's died and begging the guards to help her, you know. 
I mean, imagine what that does. You know, say it's her kid, you know, college kid, you know, and she goes through that. He or she, they're going to be dealing with that the rest of their lives. They'll never be the same. And people don't think about that. It's always like, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I saw a meme. It's been a long time ago. Well, not, I don't know if it was even called a meme there, but it was a picture of a, a grandpa and his or his dad. No, actually, this was a series that got canceled. But anyway, there's this old guy. He's there, and his little boy, his kid is like two or three years old, and he's got a fork, and he's going over to, you know, he's going over to stick it in the socket. The uh, dad the is like, every kid had a fork and a plug. Yeah, and the dad's like, go ahead, you know, because that's how you learn. And that's how people are, you know, they don't learn until they stick the fucking fork in the wall and it has to hit them at home. You know, they're never going to have empathy. They're never going to say, oh, well, gosh, this could happen to me or someone I love until it actually does. And then they raise hell. I got to point something out. We're taking the kid that stuck the fork in the light plug or the, the outlet, right? that couldn't see straight because he was beaten five minutes before that and stumbled into it is essentially what we're doing. We're saying you should not be here because you were slapped silly for about a month <laughs> and now you're not thinking straight and you stuck your fork in a fucking light socket. That's a different story. Yeah. That's a completely different story. Now, what do we think then? Because most of the people sitting in there have been smacked before they got there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, horrible childhood trauma and, and ongoing trauma. I, I forget what the stats are. I'd love to, you know, talk to you again, do a deep dive on some of these stats. 100%. Gary, once he was very upset, he wanted to be here for this. Um, he's got a lot of opinions on the uh, on the prison system and, and how people are cared for. He knows some people that have been through and it's uh, it's appalled him in many different ways. So I definitely want to have you back on. Because I feel like there's so many subjects. I'd like to get some friends in, maybe do a couple of people that sit around. Because there's nothing worse than two white guys trying to defend exactly. or talk about a thing that they don't have well, the same stake in. For the, <laughs> just, to, just to defend the white guys, I could not get away with 10% of the bullshit I pull when I go into prisons if I wasn't an old white guy. You know, I, you know, as far as I know, I'm the only one that's ever got a camera in. I'm the only one that goes in with a camera every fucking time I go because I know they're gonna they're gonna conceal evidence or if my client's been injured they're gonna say no he wasn't and so I'm gonna show up in the medical records or anywhere else even though he's you know whatever's drawn physically but if you know if I was a young black lawyer I don't you know I don't know that they wouldn't just beat my ass so I know they've yeah, like, right they'll put you in the cell next to them and be like go ahead and yeah. record your interview now yeah I, I know they uh <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've thought about it or a few of them have I oh this is kind of funny Man. one of the camera episodes I had the board's approval the general counsel's approval I go out there to photograph the guy with the bed sore for like the third time and there's a guard there and he won't let me take pictures and I just stand well and this is a uh, you know just a huge dude and he's you know part of the gang unit you know and uh anyway he um uh, i said well the board approved i had the written approval and i said well you know you need to talk to the ward i'm not like ward you know you need to talk to the general counsel they actually ended up in court over this and then and so i'd sit down he's like eight feet from me and there's a camera behind him he's like this you know try you know living back and forth blocking the camera and he says you're threatening me 
And I'm just like, I'm sitting there with my client who's in a wheelchair because he's Man. paraplegic. And he's like, you're threatening me. I'm like, you're in a step down. You're threatening me. And then he calls the gang unit. And I literally never got on my chair. I never raised my voice. And the gang unit comes. It's like eight or ten of these guys. They're like paramilitary guys. You know, they're all, you know, they're some badass dudes. It's a, it's a, it's a special reaction team. Yeah. They're fully... Yeah. And fully they, armored and ready to roll with non-lethal weapons, and they're going to pump CS gas in there, hit you with some tasers, yeah, some beanbags. Jesus. So they escort me out, and there's one part you know, the, where I have to go to the medical unit. It's like a, you know, over a quarter mile from the front gate. You have to drive in the lot, then walk. And yeah, there's this one part that's wide open. There's cameras everywhere. And I look back, and it's like these guys will, you know, what's going on? And it's like, a motherfucker. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I pick it, and he got you with my ass. And I'm like huffing and trying to get to the front gate. And uh, I get up there. You know, I ask to talk to the war. You're not talking to the war. So they, they escort me to my car. They use two cars to escort me to the front gate. And uh, <laughs> and, and then and then I ask for all the video footage because they all follow a bunch of false, you know, incident reports. All the cameras in the prison were down. Imagine <laughs> that. Yeah. Imagine that. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying <laughs> earlier about if you don't want a camera on, what are you trying to hide, manipulate, or fucking covertly do? Yeah. And I don't believe for a minute they were down. Yeah, I got the work order. Oh. They had gone down a week before for like an hour subbed. And uh anyway, but I like to brag. The whole point is I like to brag that I'm one of the few people to ever get thrown out of a prison. So uh yeah, that's kind of a bad Yeah, how do you get the exit and not the entrance? I <laughs> yeah. feel like that's uh, anyway, I, I feel like that's should... a one way trip. If you if you piss somebody <laughs> off while you're in there, you expect to go behind the Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. They, just a they, short throw trip. The, they throw the white lawyer out and you know, they haul the every other color in. You know, so Jesus. So I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity here because we've talked about not-for-profits and bringing people together to advocate on behalf of these medical situations. And I mean, just the incarcerated in general, they deserve to be treated like every other human and given the opportunity to, you know, make it in society and enjoy the reality that is life. Um, aside from setting up these not-for-profits, is there anything that everybody day-to-day -day can do? Is there something along the lines of, because I like to think about the levers that we can pull as individuals in these situations, because there's only so much you can do if you don't have a larger group. But I feel like in this day and age, we have larger voices, larger megaphones and larger capabilities to reach the masses. Would you encourage someone that has say their um, loved one in the prison system that are in this medical situation that while they would reach out to someone like yourself or try to get some kind of intervention, is there a way to utilize, say, social media or anything of that nature to bring light to a situation where someone is being put, you know, through the ringer? Yeah, I would say document everything, document every phone call, document <clears throat> every request for medical care. You know, the Prison Litigation Reform Act requires that, and you know, inmates jump through all kinds of hoops before they fall suit. One of those things is the grief. You have to follow grievance and and complete it to the very end it's called exhausting administrative green or uh procedures for remedies and uh and that is impossible it's, it's called the you'll die first yeah act. and and that's not the worst <laughs> that's of it. what that's, it sounds like that's 2000 between 2000 2019 which is when we got all the records 
there were right out of thousand medical grievances, zero found in favor of an inmate. And uh and that thousand that they recorded is probably understated by you know a hundredfold. You know, because they're getting destroyed, they throw away. They, you know, one of my clients got the shit beat out of them filing grievances, and I was filing notices with the state saying, "You guys need to get this guy there. Go get this guy proper treatment." And anyway, for his efforts, he gets his ass beat, and that ends up becoming part of our claim. But uh, what I would tell people, yeah, and you know, when we first started this, I told you I, you know, try to get out of law every way possible. When I started this. I mean, I feel like I'm a right out of law school. I am having so much fun and 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 the I mean, it is pure evil that you're dealing with. So you don't have any hesitancy to go to the office. And you get, were created for this. Yeah, and, and get to work. This is and and I this is something we should point out though, and I apologize for interrupting you, but I do point this out a lot. And the fact that you brought that up means that I should say something about this. I believe that we are we our original intentions are what we come back to. We just don't understand them in the beginning. I feel like someone like yourself had to believe that law was something that you could help others with, or you always were inclined to think of the less fortunate or somebody that you know doesn't get the voice that they deserve. And I would argue that we go through all the experiences, we do all the shitty stuff, so that we can hit these marks or these benchmarks or waypoints in our life where we get to capitalize on everything that we've learned and realize that there's shit ton more happiness in service than there is any fucking car, apartment, or anything else. So I want to thank you, and I just kind of wanted to point that out because I believe that's what people do, is that they go full circle because we're originally loving, caring, empathetic people, and we get it beat out of us only to realize we should have had it the whole time. Yeah, that was a great place to end I agree 100 percent you know and uh i yeah i really hope i get to talk well first of all you see my really cool dude just talk to you so anyway i hope <laughs> I we get to talk that. you again. are as well <laughs> so you have great hair by the way i, I wanted to say <laughs> that because when i pulled up your picture i was like, this son of a bitch he's got like the perfect gray head of hair if you're gonna have gray <laughs> hair it's gotta be stylish you've got that white but it's it falls just right don't ever cut your hair man you gotta tell it's, my it's, wife uh, that it, because I've always had stored hair, but I started thinking, you know, the older I get, I was thinking, man, I look like a Mississippi sheriff. Do you grow my hair out? <laughs> <laughs> you should live in Florida like me with a high and tight and a beard. Nobody understands me in the slightest. I could blend in at a rally. Nobody's <laughs> business in Florida. It's fucking awful. Uh, but I can also be covertly hearing everything that right. anybody is saying yeah, about you fit in the, the population. That haircut fit and beard fits in with every group these it days. It really does. The beard the beard is a defense mechanism. It you can either look mean or you can look jovial. Like Santa Claus. It's something that it just depends on whether or not you smile and brighten up your eyes or you squint them and fucking get a little menacing. Right. Nobody knows how to take that. Yeah. The beard is some kind of camouflage for a weak chin. <laughs> yeah, you always came with people with beards. You always think, man, I wonder if that guy's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i think that you described how i got out of getting my ass kicked in several situations in life yeah. is i had some kind of alternative to a beard that threw people off the beard saved me <laughs> my beard saved me 
Beard stave. <laughs> that's it. That's, beard that's stave. actually that'd be a good gonna be my memoir. No, that should be a you make that a t-shirt. Beard save lives. They do, man, because it's funny. Before we go, a little tidbit about the beard. We had Amrit Singh. <laughs> He's a uh, a yogi that came on, and he brought up the beard, and he said the beard is actually the representation of the feminine energy and that when you grow your beard you become more balanced as a man and you're more in tune with your empathetic and feminine side i don't know it's kind of like putting a tail on a kite wow i guess <laughs> that's thing. but yeah i thought it was super well, fascinating I, I, was like, well, I look like i've been in chemo for nine months so you've got you've got the panhandler yeah i've got buddies that are rugged, rugged, everything yeah, growing it's in patches yeah <laughs> look like a rock would bite you know be you know <laughs> might like the atmosphere I, I asked my buddy if his came with a cardboard sign he didn't <laughs> like that too much yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> Parrish, can you tell everybody where they can find you, your website, and uh, where they can, you know, find your information or where they can get information yeah, to help others? The best place is just our website, callsattorneys.com. There's actually a page that I put up because I was getting so many requests from other lawyers and press show asking for copies of our lawsuits. So I made one page. And, and uh, basically, if you just get in there, say lawsuits filed, it'll find it. I can, I'll actually wow. send you the link to it. But it yep. has all, all those links most, we'll share. It has most of our lawsuits there. They're like five, I think, that we need to add. But you can, I mean, if you have a lot of free time, because they're pretty lengthy, uh, you can see all the horrible stuff that's going on here. You know, and, and I think it's, it's happening everywhere. It's not just there. If this is just the prison system, private medical contractors, and then, uh, you know, it's not going to change until... They take profits out of the presence. Yeah, it seems odd that it ever even came in. Yeah. I don't understand that. And then, of course, once you get a tax cut somewhere, people are going to bite off of that. You can't bring it back. That's a, that's a big no-no. After that, it becomes somebody oh, else's problem. Oh, there's a problem. chat thing here. Was I supposed to be adding links? I can't put my... You, yeah, you could have, but it's okay. We'll, uh, we'll, it's easier because I have ADHD. You throw a link at me and I'll be out in East Jabumble Jabib talking about something yeah. else. Better to just explain it to me that we'll share the oh, link okay. in the yeah. uh, show notes with everyone and they'll be able to, uh, reference and go there. They'll have, we'll have all your links there actually. It'll be your website, your information, your bio. You'll have your own page and, um, we'll even give you some clips from the show that you can share with oh, everybody. Cool. So you just, Save me the after uh, the after conversation. Um, that said, Parrish, I, I genuinely appreciate you for being who you are. Um, I say it a lot, for being a lighthouse for others to find their way to be better people. Um, we're the best by giving you know an example, not by just what we uh, say. I think that more people like yourself are coming forward. I think that we're in a different day and age. I think that cameras are our friends. Yeah the end of the day um because they're holding accountability um i believe that there should be so many cameras in that system too yeah. um that only makes sense i really that on said that um, note, i'm really optimistic about this stuff like my daughter's generation you know in college and younger sure. it's they're amazing yeah and the one uh, the head of them my son's generation is you know, canning was getting there but man my daughter's generation's amazing i mean they are all and uh, that's true i have working 
that generation, they're all so passionate and they want to, they may not end up doing prison cases in their career, but they will be doing civil rights work. And, uh, and I think they'll all end up being, you know, continue to do prison cases, frankly, but, uh, they'll, they'll be doing civil rights. And so get involved in civil rights. You'll see yourself in them as soon as you meet them. As soon as you meet prisoners, you'll see yourself in them real quick. You're just like, man, I hung out with this student in high school. Yeah, you know, or I knew this girl. Yeah, you know, and uh, that or woman. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. There's a say they're just like us, and so are the guards. You know, there's yeah, you know, the, the you know. So I don't ever want to malign the guards. You know, they're like this particular case Hell I no. talked about. You know, I got a problem with that guy, but for the most part, you know, I really like the guards. You know, they're just guys trying to do their job. They're underpaid. They're working multiple double shifts a week. You know, three four times a week. They're, you know, they're, they're understaffed severely, you know, subject to mistakes yeah, and all sorts of situations. And probably terrified, you know, they don't have enough staff, you know, uh, this, you know, yeah, I'll, you know, that's a topic of another conversation. These, the way we'll these guards, another day. the way these guards are treated, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, they're providing an extremely important role for society and they could be doing so much good for society helping these people in prison get on track for the first time in their lives, you know, when they didn't have these opportunities and, uh, and they, and they get paid shit, horrible working conditions, you know, no mental health care. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's appalling. Sorry. Yeah. I like, like to, I said, we could no, talk for 18 you're, hours. You're straight. like me. I rant too, <laughs> especially if you're passionate about something. I, I want to end on something. And that is that, uh, if the, prison system is the way it is for now and we accept that scenario if you find yourself having made one of these decisions and you are going into the prison system i would encourage you to utilize that time to break the cycle of societal understandings and implicit bias i would sit on my ass and i would separate church and state i would try to figure out what is real and what is learned and sit there and utilize that time to focus on one thing and one thing only you yeah because you deserve it you didn't get the opportunity at some point in your life to dedicate it to yourself and it's been taken away from you but now it's been given back and there's also some great phenomenon that comes from hitting your knees in front of god and everybody it's that you don't have to act like anybody else but yourself going forward and there is so much more liberation and being authentic and pursuing yourself from that childhood mentality out into the world that everybody else is going to be nothing but jealous of you because you are going to be happy. You don't need a college degree. You don't need a fucking path because fortune favors the fucking person that is themselves and accepts and loves themselves for who they are, flaws and all, or whatever societal fucking fence they jumped by accident or isn't, you know, Derek, laws are only fucking time away before we fucking cancel something that used to be happening. So <laughs> I just would encourage people to take the time if they do end up in there or if you have somebody that you know is in there and give them those pieces of advice to not worry about what's going on outside of there because it'll never change, right? Or they can't change it. And you have the ability to change your view through your own lenses. You have an opportunity to wipe perspective off your eyes. 
Um, you have the chance to clean your lenses, whereas everybody else is still walking around with a prescription outside of those four walls. So if you get the opportunity to go in there, use that time to sit down, clean your lenses, figure out who you are and why you made the decisions you did, but not because you're in time out punished and all this other BS. It's because you love yourself and they've given you the opportunity to not have to fucking be in a capitalistic fucking wheel for the next two years. Take that fucking time to fucking zen out, sit on your ass and realize what it is to be alive and accept now for what it is. It's a present. It's a gift. The present. Parrish, I appreciate you and you're welcome back anytime. Um, that was, let me you, know, man, whatever you, uh, you want to hear. He rants the world. Be glad to come on stuff. No, you can't rant enough about this. <laughs> um, it seemed to come up on my radar a lot lately, and uh, I believe it's for a reason. Hopefully, we can get the right people to listen to this and maybe get some donations or get some people that are interested in giving back. I know some people that uh, are invested in helping the wrongfully accused, but I think that um, we need to stop turning our back on the the guilty. Exactly. Right. right, because again, yeah, I mean, we're only a decision we're away. Guilty by circumstance, yeah. So, it's, uh, dude, we're all born on a roller coaster. I didn't ask, and the ride was already moving when I got here. Fuck yeah. off. I get it. I get a do-over. Give me a fucking mulligan. Like, <laughs> if I made the choice to get on the roller coaster, that's different. But I swear to God, I woke up on it and I had two people in front of me screaming which way we should turn, and that was it until they were fucking gone. Yeah, it's not a fucking good yeah. deal. Nobody signs up for this shit. Thanks so Thank much, Parrish. And remember, everybody, hey. be cool and keep learning. Right. Take care.